Well, friends, how do you feel about change? Does the idea of, of, of things changing bring you hope or dread? And when change does come, how do you react? Do you embrace new things? Or do you find yourself wishing for things just to stay the same? For me, change is not something that I particularly enjoy. I, I like the comfort and safety that stable conditions bring. Yet moving seems to be a pretty common occurrence in my life. And after moving for the 11th time in 11 years this past week, I, I joked with my wife and friends that I just want to buy a plot of land right over there in the cemetery here in Shoresh and never move again. Yet, even with all my joking, deep down, I know, just like all of you know, that change is coming. In this life, you cannot escape change. Everything and everyone around you is changing. Even you yourself are changing. Which presents a few questions. How are you being changed? And who or what is changing you? And, and most importantly... What is the change that you need the most? My name is Stephen Riley, and I serve as one of the members here at Erbil Baptist Church. If you're new to EBC, or even if uh, you've been visiting with us for a while, you'll probably notice that today's sermon is a bit different from our normal style of preaching, expositional preaching, where uh, we look at particular passages from the Bible and try to understand them together. But my goal is that today, with this topical sermon, you would see that amidst constant change, our greatest hope is in the God who never changes, and His hope, and His promise to gloriously change us. So, let me say that main idea for today again. Amidst constant change, our greatest hope is in the God who never changes, and His promise to gloriously change us. Now we'll consider this idea in three points, beginning first with point one. Changes come. You know, all, all we need to do is drive around the city and look up to see that things are changing. Throughout Erbil, dozens and dozens of cranes are building very large towers that will apparently be filled with new people who will continue to change the city. And so it goes with all places in the world. Things are changing. Our favorite restaurants close. New shops open. Our friends move away. New neighbors come. We get fired from our jobs. We take new jobs. We have kids, and they grow up. But, it, but it's not just the external things that are changing. We ourselves are changing. We're getting older. Our eyesight is getting worse. Our clothing size is changing. Some of us are losing our hair. And even in our minds, our thoughts are changing. The things we used to be motivated by may not have the same pull or power over us anymore. And our hopeful optimism, that is our belief that things are improving, is for many of us perhaps being replaced with a sober realism, an understanding that things may not be getting better. 
world peace might not happen in our lifetime. And don't get me wrong. Some change is good and necessary. And by God's common grace, image-bearing humans from all kinds of different places and different backgrounds have been able to do some pretty amazing things, like creating city water and sewage systems, uh, building governments and economic trade, finding cures to plagues. Air conditioning is pretty good too. Uh, Many of these things have helped to shape the world we know and has helped us to get rid of the pains and terrors that generations before had to live with. And a desire to see these things change for the better is what has brought a lot of us to the Kurdistan region of Iraq. And you know, eventually, friends, it may appear to, to some of us that we get the change we want. You know, perhaps in the case of, let's just take one, politics, for instance, the person we support might get elected, or the one that we despise might lose power. And maybe that change turns out to not be so great after all. Maybe we find that we still aren't satisfied. We feel that we need more change. Or perhaps we wish we could undo the changes that have been done. It's like the people uh, who I've met here in Kurdistan who share their opinions with me, saying, oh, Kurdistan was so bad when Saddam was in power, but it was better. You you hold those things in tension. So all around the world, though, old men sit in creaking chairs on front porches and sidewalks telling their grandchildren about the good old days. And increasingly, all around the world, the youth take to the streets to pull down what the older generation is fighting to protect in order to create something new. Now, protesting for change isn't for everyone, but I would guess that a number of us can be motivated and pulled by products, personalities, movements, voices, and the newest trends that promote a change that you just have to have. We change our hair, we change our style, We redecorate our home, seeking fulfillment and a change. But friends, if humans are the ones offering us the biggest and best changes that we seek, then those changes will be just like the people suggesting them to us, limited in what they can offer. And we... And and these things will, like like all other products, voices, movements, and trends, leave us in the end desiring something else to fill the remaining holes in our lives. But there are some holes that humans just can't provide an answer for. No matter what the new change is that's being sold to us. Because it isn't something new that we're being promised. As the teacher of Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. And this truth, I think, is really coming from the fact that humans didn't create change. It's always actually been a part of creation. 
But our changes coming from our sin-stained hearts leave so much to be desired. They leave us feeling that something is still not right. Well, we can see what good change looks like on the first page of the Bible, where God takes a, a dark, watery chaos and changes it into a fantastic world filled with amazing creatures, and He calls it very good. But we humans were not satisfied with God's definition of good. And so we disobeyed God, putting our trust in God's enemy. And we took that which didn't belong to us. And we raged against God's world, casting His words out as we exalted ourselves, turning from God's truth and embracing our own truth. We rejected God's good design of being a friend, and a partner. And in so doing, a curse came upon us and upon all of God's universe. And in a moment, everything changed. And the one constant, unchangeable thing for humanity became the bitter pain of death's sting. And what can humanity do to change that fate? To change death? In a world where the certainty of change and death are the only constant things, what is stable that we can hold on to? What hope can we cling to when death and endless changes that we cannot control keep coming our way? Well, let's consider that in our second point, the, the God unchanging. <clears throat> well, friends, in the Scriptures, we see a picture of one God in Trinity that created and rules over the universe. And this God is a God in whom there is no change. We, we saw this in our call to worship today, which Sister Lana, uh, Lama read from Psalm 102. There we read the psalmist's prayer to God that says, In the beginning, you, that is God, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. You know, this passage reflects the consistent testimony of the Bible, which says from Genesis to the Revelation that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. This idea of God's unchanging nature, or what theologians call his immutability is a difficult thing for us to understand. Because as we've already seen, change is all that we know during our short lives here on earth. Yet we have a God who remains the same and whose years never end, who is eternal. 
God is always the same. And, and that sameness is a present reality that stretches backward into the past eternally and forward into the future eternally. Now, now I know that some of you here may be thinking, yeah, but, but what about those passages of Scripture that say God changed his mind or relented or repented of what he had planned to do, particularly in the case of judgment against his people or another nation? Well, in, in this case, I think it's important to remember that God has used human words and phrases in order to make himself known to us. So when the Bible uses terms like changed or repented in reference to God, it isn't meant to imply that God is changing or repenting like humans do. God doesn't change. And he doesn't need to repent. Rather, it's a way, these words are a way of cooperating with our limited understanding and communicating spiritual truths in plain human language. When we refer to God's repentance, it doesn't imply that he is changing his mind or regretting something like humans do. Instead, it means that God is adjusting his outward actions or behavior in response to human behavior or circumstances. But his motivations and decisions are always guided by his perfect wisdom and his unchangeable will. In other words, God is simply remaining consistent to his character. So if people repent, God forgives, which is consistent with his unchanging mercy. If people rebel, God brings justice, which is consistent with his unchanging wrath against sin. A believer, this understanding that God doesn't change should bring us greater confidence in God and a greater desire to be more aligned with his wisdom and his perfect will. As we've considered the past couple weeks in the book of Proverbs, when we don't live according to God's wisdom, we get ourselves into a mess, which eventually leads to our own destruction. Instead, we should take comfort that we can know the God who made us and that we can depend on him to be who he has always been, knowing that he will always remain the same, beautifully good God forever. We should also take comfort because God's promises to us in his word are like him unchanging. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's words will not pass away. Because just as, as Numbers 23.19 tells us, God is not a human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? You know, here in Kurdistan, the person sitting behind the desk at the government office may give you permission to do what you want today. But who knows if they will change their mind tomorrow or if someone will come after them who takes away that permission. 
But with God, this is not so. If God promises it, He will do it. Has He spoken? And will He not fulfill it? And so let me ask you this question. What has God spoken about you? What is He going to fulfill in you? And that brings us to point three. We will be changed. God's response to our human rebellion is one that is in line with His character. As we've just seen, because God is good, He will bring the right judgments against human rebellion. The wrath of God will be revealed against every sin and every sinner on the earth. Every person in this room has committed a sin that goes against God's established law. Whether it's through lying, stealing, cheating, hating, lusting, being jealous, gossiping, loving money, or anything else more than our neighbor or God. In these ways and so many more, we've all, like those first humans, chosen to change the definition of good so that we can chase after our own selfish desires. We've all chosen to to push God and His law out of our lives. There's no one who is innocent. And in order for God to remain good without changing, He must judge sin. And that sin deserves death. And so God's judgment against sin is pointed right at us. But God doesn't change. And neither do His plans. And God's plans also include rescue and restoration for those that He calls His people, His children. And so the God who is merciful and kind... The God who is abounding in steadfast love remains loyal and faithful to His unfaithful creation. And He Himself comes to earth. He comes to us. And where we have failed, where where we have broken God's law, He has fulfilled it. Where we have chosen our own ways, He has chosen heaven's ways. And the way that we, the way way that this corrupt world has thanked this good and gracious God is by killing Him. By nailing Him to a cross. The perfect man, Christ Jesus, naked, and on display as a testimony to the sinful chaos that we have become. But even this was part of God's unchangeable plan. 
Because what we meant for evil, God meant for good. To take away the sins of the world. Only God can take the evil acts of humanity and channel it, direct it into His good and perfect plan. A plan that became clear when three days after dying on the cross, Jesus was raised from the dead, emerging from His tomb with a glorified body that can no longer experience the pains and the curse brought upon the world by broken humans just like us. And Jesus raises His resurrected voice to call people just like us to follow Him into glory as we believe in Him and and turn from our sin, receiving the sign of baptism to proclaim to the earth and the heavens that we have changed sides, that, that we belong to Christ, that we are no longer among those whom are God's enemies. But we are among those that God has rescued. Romans 6.4 says, We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And this doesn't simply mean that that God has given us strength to to change by by helping us to stop doing bad stuff. No, it, it means that God is by His Spirit changing our very desires so that the sin that we once worshipped and adored now leaves our soul with a holy dissatisfaction. We hate our sin just as God hates it. Not because we have become wiser than our neighbors, but because God has sanctified us. He has set us apart and declared us holy even as He is holy. And He has transformed us by the power of this gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, The new creation has come. The old has gone. And the new is here. Brothers and sisters, God has changed us. But, it doesn't always feel like we've changed, does it? It doesn't always feel like the new creation has come. Because often, the old man, the old, the old woman, shows back up in our lives and reminds us that we deserve death. As the, as the remains of those old desires show back up, attempting to draw us away from Christ. Away from the narrow path that leads to life. But friends, hear this unchanging promise from God to you. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Brothers, sisters, He is not done with you. He's still working in you to refine you, 
and to conform you into the image of Jesus. And he promises that he will finish this work. And when we look back, those of us who follow Jesus can, can see that this work is happening. Think back to your life before you met Jesus. And think back to those earlier days in your walk with Jesus. Do you see the changes? Do you see the work of the Spirit in your life? I know I do. And when I look toward the perfection that I desire, it's true that I can get disheartened. I see the gap between who I am and who Jesus is. But when I look back, when I see who I was, and when I lift my gaze off of myself, and I remember the cross where Christ died for my sins, I can only believe that He will complete what He has started. And we're not alone. God helps us with this, friends. Your current dissatisfaction and disturbance with your sin is a sign of life. It's the proof that the Spirit is still working in you. So today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. But fight against the powers of hell by putting the desires of the flesh to death. And friends, we do this from the beginning by asking God to change our desires. Talk to God about your struggles through prayer. And invite brothers and sisters to help you become vulnerable with those who have promised to care for your soul, even as you have promised to care for theirs. Come to the gathering. Sing with the saints and hear the voice of your brothers and sisters singing God's truth with you. Singing God's truth to you. Meditate on the truths that we sing in our songs. Sit under the preaching of God's Word and allow it to convict you, to shape and fashion you into Christ's likeness. Read about God's salvation and the coming glory in His Word and allow yourself to be captured by God's story. Friends, this is the way saints have been persevering for the last 2,000 years. This hasn't changed. These are the ordinary means of grace that Christ means to use to bring us to the day of His coming. And recognize that God's work in accomplishing His plan is going to involve a lot of changes. A change may mean personal sacrifices. It also may mean sacrifices that this whole church body has to make as we send beloved members out for the sake of the Gospel. As we 
as God calls some of our best friends away to new things, and as He brings new members in for our good, as He accomplishes His purposes in Erbil and around the world. You know, EBC isn't going to be the same a year from now as it is today. And I don't know what that means exactly right now, but I know that things aren't the same right now as they were last year at this time or the year before that because friends were changing as a body. But praise God, EBC, I can see that we are changing to be more like our Father in Heaven. I see this change taking place as I hear of brothers and sisters meeting up to study the Word together, even though they have really busy schedules. I see it when I watch you make your homes and apartments ready for Friday night fellowships and small group gatherings. I I see it through your sacrifice of relationships with bad influences in your life. I see it through your steady perseverance when people abuse you because of your faith. I see it through your confession of sin, through your seeking of God's will for your family, even as many are so far away in other countries. I see this godly change happening as you faithfully prepare for the new works that God has appointed for you. Even though it often feels like things are falling apart. I see it through your seeking of forgiveness when you have wronged another person in this church. And you're saying, will you forgive me? Even if it goes against your culture and everything you've ever known. And I see this godly change happening in so many other ways as I have been able to join with you, brothers and sisters, in following Jesus toward glory. And friends, that glory is coming for us, for all of those in Christ who came before us, and for all of those who are going to join us along the way. Because Jesus is coming back. And on that day, He will finish the work He began. On that day, we will be made like Him. 1 John 3.2 says, We are God's children now. And when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. Friends, if we are in Christ... This is where we are going. This is how we need to be changed. This is the change that is our greatest hope. Glorification. When God's own glory becomes clear in us. Listen. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, 
For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. And then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Though some have passed away, friends, they will be raised again. And the dead, along with the living, shall be changed. At the sound of the last trumpet, all of our struggles, all of our trials, all of our sacrifice and heartache for Christ's sake will come into proper focus as He appears. And we are like He is. And our sinful desires will have vanished. And our broken bodies will be unbreakable. And our affections will once again be rightly focused on the very good God who creates very good things. And never again will we betray Him. Never again will we forsake His paths. Never again will our joy be changed to sadness. Because God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, no pain anymore. For the former things will have passed away. EBC, these promises should make us yearn for Christ's return. They should make us pray along with the author of the Revelation. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Friends, if you're here today and you don't consider yourself to be in Christ, to to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I wonder what you're hearing in this message. My hope is that you have heard that we all have a problem with our sin and that God Himself has offered us a solution. That He has offered Jesus' own life for you. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, Today, Christ is calling you to remove the veil from before your eyes and see Him and believe in His life, death, and resurrection for you. There is no other path in this world that will bring the greatest change that you need. That of being free from the guilt and the shame of your sin. Only Christ can do that. And that promise to change you from being an enemy of God to being a child of God, that is an everlasting promise. Once you are God's child, there isn't anything in all of creation that will be able to separate you from the love of God.
that is in Jesus. Friend, Jesus is coming again. For all we know, the time of His return could be this very day. And those who have not bowed before Him as Lord will bow before Him as a conquered enemy. And on that day, the foolish thinking of those who have rejected Christ will be changed into weeping and mourning. If when I began speaking today, you thought I was going to tell you a bunch of stuff to do to help you change into a better person, well, I I won't do that. But what I will tell you is that if you are ready to follow Jesus and turn from your sin, that He will change you. From the inside, He will transform you. And He will make you live no longer as a slave to sin, but in His glorious freedom forever. And you can turn to Him right now and trust in this promise for you today. Right where you're sitting, you can be changed. Friend, come to the Lord Jesus. Come to the Lord Jesus. We cannot escape change in this life. But amidst constant change, our greatest hope is found in the God who never changes and His promise to gloriously change us. Let's pray. And friends, take just a minute to consider God's promise to change His people and consider this question again. How are you being changed? Father, it is our desire to be changed into the image of Christ. Nothing else will do. We need Your grace to transform us. We need Your Gospel to give us strength and renew our minds. We need You to change our affections toward our sin. Help us to help each other. And Lord, please come quickly. We ask these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.